الجزيرة بودكاست In front of a crowded room of reporters, a man says he wants to fight for his country. Look, I'm here defending the democratic voice of the Indian people. I will continue to do that. His great-grandfather was India's first prime minister, his grandmother, the third, and his father, the sixth. But if Rahul Gandhi wants to carry on the family legacy into India's highest office, he's just hit a bit of a roadblock. If prosecutors have their way, Rahul Gandhi could become the country's most famous prisoner. A court found him guilty of defamation in referring to the family name of Prime Minister Narendra Modi in a speech made four years ago. Narendra Modi has been Prime Minister for nearly nine years. And Rahul Gandhi is not the first critic of his to be arrested or hit with a legal case. But as the de facto face of India's opposition, he might be the most prominent. So does this case against him signal a new level in the crackdown on dissent in Modi's India? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Why do all the thieves have Modi as their surname? Nirav Modi, Lalit Modi, Narendra Modi. And if you look a little, many more Modis will emerge. That's a lot of Modis. Pavni Mittal, you have been covering India for Al Jazeera over the last couple of years. So help me break down what Rahul Gandhi was talking about in this speech. This is 2019. It's the general election. And he's talking about three Modis. So first up, none of these Modis are related. (laughs) The two gentlemen he speaks about, apart from the Prime Minister Narendra Modi, Anirav Modi and Lalit Modi, these are two gentlemen who are wanted in India for financial fraud in the millions and billions of dollars. Businessman Nirav Modi fled India after allegedly cheating the Punjab National Bank. Lalit Modi is in big trouble. Modi has been found guilty of charging a facilitation fee to the tune of $80 million. They're both overseas trying to avoid extradition to India. So what Rahul Gandhi was basically trying to say, it's a sort of tongue-in-cheek way of saying that people whose last names are Modi tend to be thieves, and he also brings in the Prime Minister. So... It's a personal jibe. You know, we can say it's unsavory. You know, people might not like it. But it's also sort of part of political culture, especially during election time when politicians do take jibes at each other. And this was just an instance of it. All of this is what got him into trouble. So as you mentioned, he was convicted. Gandhi was sentenced to two years in jail for defaming Prime Minister Narendra Modi. Walk us through that day a little bit. So I remember more distinctly the day after that, because that was when the real action happened. You know, we were outside the parliament, um, members of Rahul Gandhi's political party, that is the Indian National Congress, and a lot of members of other opposition parties had marched outside the parliament protesting this decision. And while we were just setting up for a live shot, we get the update that he has now been expelled as a member of parliament. Just a few minutes ago, we got the news that Rahul Gandhi has been disqualified as member of parliament. 
So not only is he facing criminal charges, the fact that he can no longer sit in parliament had become this big, big issue. That same day, India's opposition made a big issue of its own. 14 political parties, opposition parties, sort of banded together and approached the Supreme Court saying that this government has been weaponizing agencies to selectively target and intimidate critics, especially opposition leaders. The plea had said that 95% cases during the Modi government tenure rather have been against opposition or its leaders because they have been saying that uh, these cases just magically appear against people who are in some way threatening, politically or otherwise, criticizing the government. Did you ever think that it would get to this point, or was this a surprise? So people were shocked, but not surprised. Mm. Shocked because the person in question is Rahul Gandhi, the de facto face of the opposition, but also someone who comes from literally the most powerful political family and someone who is such a public figure was born in spotlight. Not surprising because critics of the government, political analysts, opposition parties, journalists, rights groups have been saying for many years that since Prime Minister Narendra Modi came to power, Critics have been silenced and intimidated. There has been a pattern and a trend. And it was about time this was going to reach where it has with Rahul. So you mentioned prominent family. Who is Rahul Gandhi? Because that is another name that is very prominent in India. No relation to the man who might arguably be the most famous Gandhi, though. Can you give us a bit of an overview of his background and his political journey? So Rahul Gandhi, he he was born in politics. He was born in the most prominent political family India's ever had. His great-grandfather, Nehru, was India's first prime minister. Prime Minister Nehru guided India to independence from Great Britain. His grandmother is Indira Gandhi, again prime minister. She rose through India's political system until she became the first and only female prime minister of a country. His father, Rajiv Gandhi, again prime minister. Rajiv Gandhi had preached that only he could save India from political and religious turmoil. Even when he was not even in the limelight in electoral politics, people believed back in the 90s and early 2000s that Rahul would eventually also become prime minister. (laughs) He has been member of parliament for many, many elections. But there has been a sense that he is not any of these forefathers that I've mentioned. That he, his reputation is a sort of reluctant politician who's born into this position but really doesn't know what to do with it. Under him, the party has been beaten to its worst tally in the parliament. So the sense is that he's not really cut out for this and he's sort of forced into this position. BJP is stating that this shows how disinterested Rahul Gandhi really is in not only this issue but Indian politics. So You're bored during a parliament price rise debate. You're so bored that you go off to sleep. This is what Rahul Gandhi did. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what everyone in the country is talking about. He has also been 
ridiculed a lot specifically by Modi. I was speaking for 30-40 minutes, but the current has only reached there now. Many tube lights work like this. He has been nicknamed, there's a word in Hindi called Papu, which basically means, you know, small, innocent boy. The insinuation is that, you know, he's this naive prince who's not very smart. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's a bit of a joke. <laughs> so he has become a political punchline over the years. However, there has been a considerable shift, both at Gandhi's end, but also the perception. Last year, the second half, like about September, October, he embarked on a around 3,000 kilometer march across India, in the south to north actually, called the Unite India March. The supporters of the main opposition party in India have reached the capital, New Delhi. They've been walking for more than three months to unite the country. And initially, critics were a bit, you know, not very sure where this was going to go. But many people were surprised to see that he was able to attract thousands of people. I remember covering this in... December when the march reached Delhi and speaking to people, you know, people over there were not there because they loved him or they supported him or they voted for him. They might as well have been Modi voters, but they were interested to listen to him. He sparked a curiosity. And today when you see Rahul Gandhi's response to this case, you get a sense that he's really, for the first time maybe, taking the bull by its horns when it comes to politics. Disqualify me. Disqualify me for life. Put me inside jail. I will keep going. You know, that sort of willingness to fight has also sort of surprised people. So that trajectory sounds kind of astounding for someone to come from such a prominent family, political family, than to not really be able to translate that prominence into actual votes, to that unity march. I remember seeing images from that time. He grew a long beard, and he managed to draw out crowds of people for this five-month-long march in which they started in the south of India and went all the way to Kashmir. Do you think that that is what was the turning point? Is that what led to him being back in the good graces of people who see him as a good politician? I think so. I think, you know, what was also important is that Rahul Gandhi is one person who has fearlessly criticized Modi everywhere, in parliament, at rallies, at this march, internationally. So I think the fact that he's been saying a lot of these things, something has resonated with people and people were like, you know, he's out there for the first time, probably really meeting and greeting people. Aye, Rahul Gandhi ji, he sort of had this image, you know, long beard in this white T-shirt. I remember standing, reporting there in my jacket going, it's kind of cold, dude. Like, <laughs> are you doing this? <laughs> you know? So, so he, he, he sort of had this and, uh, you know, people were joking, like, what is this vibe? I think this was sort of a first 
for many people and they're like oh wow the congress is actually interested in building a grassroots sort of connect so did all of that goodwill he's earned become political blowback that's after the break This week on the Inside Story podcast, there's been a major leak of top-secret U.S. intelligence files. So just how serious is this for the U.S. and its allies? So, Pavni, you mentioned his criticisms of Prime Minister Narendra Modi. And recently, Rahul Gandhi has been especially vocal. He's been critical of Prime Minister Modi's relationship with Gautam Adani. Now, Adani is a coal mining tycoon who was Asia's richest man, the third richest man in the world, until he was accused of mass corporate fraud in January. A report saying that Adani Group, an Indian conglomerate that runs a portfolio of energy and logistics companies, is committing what it called the largest con in corporate history, as we know. So, Pavni, how does he play into all of this? Gautam Adani has an incredible story. They call him a coal mining tycoon, but actually he has expanded his business into developing airports. Adani Group has now won five airports, which marks its foray into the airport space. He now controls uh, a media house. Gautam Adani is in the midst of a takeover of NDTV a news network considered to be one of the last bastions of critical journalism on the Indian airwaves. He is investing heavily in renewable energy. And it's not just in India. In Australia, he's also developing the Haifa port in Israel. So he has long been seen as someone who's very well aligned with Modi. Gautam Adani also comes from the state of Gujarat. That is where Narendra Modi was chief minister. And people believe that it is his proximity to Modi that has helped him grow to such heights. I remember earlier this year, actually, um, Adani started this year on a high. You know, there were magazine covers. I remember seeing an interviews of him, but he was this next big tycoon. People were comparing him to like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk as this big visionary. And then comes the Hindenburg Report. Hindenburg as a research agency in New York. He said, look, there is fraud. A lot of this wealth has been an illusion. And then Adani's stocks come crashing down. Now, at the same time, this is an economic crisis for one family that has become a big political crisis in New Delhi, where Rahul Gandhi has gone out and said that we need to investigate. This is a big issue and the government is absolutely silent. You know, Rahul Gandhi's point was, and not just Gandhi, you know, there were many people who said that Modi's policies have basically benefited big companies, especially Gautam Adani. So Gandhi says that criticism is why the government has gone after him. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, because like I said, you know, there has been a pattern and many human rights groups have also said that under Prime Minister Narendra Modi, the space for criticism is shrinking, whether it's politicians, you could be a journalist, you could even be a movie star. There is that feeling in India that if you criticize the government and if you go after Prime Minister Modi specifically, you will probably get some authority knocking at your door. 
the reaction also went beyond just Rahul Gandhi. I think there has there's a section that's really worried that defamation laws, and these are laws that were handed down by the British when they ruled India for more than two centuries. You know, there are calls now that defamation should be decriminalized and this should be a civil offense. But then there is that feeling that it's not just about him. It's sort of using him to set an example mm. ahead of these very important elections. That if Rahul Gandhi is not immune, and, and let's face it, Gandhi has the best lawyers in India at his doorstep. You know, he can fight this case yeah. tooth and nail that people like you and I probably wouldn't be able to. But sort of setting an example to other political leaders. When people see the Rahul Gandhi case as an attempt to crush dissent, it's not in isolation. There are opposition figures, including a spokesperson for Gandhi's party who had been arrested this year. Assam police stepped in and arrested the Congress spokesperson, Pavan Khera. He was accused of having targeted Prime Minister Modi in one of his press conferences. India's Central Bureau of Investigation today arrested Manish Sisodia, the Deputy Chief Minister of Capital Delhi. The Delhi government has termed the charges against the minister as a political witch hunt. Journalists, news organizations have reported about sensitive topics and they have been jailed or hit with legal cases. The BBC's offices in New Delhi and Mumbai have been raided. Siddiq Kappan, a journalist from Kerala, was arrested by the UP police as he was on his way to Hathras to cover a story, he said. So, Pavni, is it safe to say that the space for dissent has shrunk in India during the almost nine years that Modi has been in office? I think it is very evident that there is a feeling of fear. There is fear of what can happen to you. You don't even have to be overtly critical. You could just have a different opinion and it may not end well for you. Even if you're not in jail, having authorities knock at your door, looking at your tax records, looking at your bank accounts, could make anybody uncomfortable. You know, the deputy chief minister of Delhi is being investigated. He was in jail for many days because he has been accused of corruption. And he says that he believes it is because his political party has beaten Narendra Modi's party, which is the Bharti Janta Party, uh, the BJP in Delhi. Then even journalists, you know, we've seen lands up in jail. Again, you know, it's important to mention that the attack is not always just legal. There is a lot of just hate that is thrown at you. There is online trolling that has become very, very common. So if you do a story that may not paint India or paint the government actually in the best light, then you are looked at as quote unquote anti-national. That has become sort of the rallying cry. You sound like you are speaking from experience. Has that (laughs) happened to you? Yes, that has. You know, a lot of people see Modi being equal to the government, being equal to India. So if you're against Modi or against India, you're branded as quote-unquote anti-national. And a lot of this is on Twitter. So you'll often wake up after you post a story of yours and you'll have people saying all kinds of things. And if you're a woman, it could 
be, you know, threatening sexual violence, but also like absolutely ridiculous things like go back to Pakistan. That seems to be a And very just to be clear, you're not from Pakistan. No, I'm an Indian citizen. Mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not going to get a visa to Pakistan. So that's not happening. But it's also so ridiculous. You want to laugh at it. But when you hear stories, similar stories from other journalists, there is that feeling you may not be intimidated, but you're like, you know, do I really need this? So bringing this back to the case at the center of all of this, Rahul Gandhi's case, what has the government said about it? How have they responded to the criticism that this is an attempted silencing of the opposition? So because this is a court order, the government has just washed its hands saying, this is with the court, the judiciary, do not drag us into it. Some of the ministers did comment on The case, I remember when the judgment came out saying that Rahul Gandhi's comments were defamatory because they targeted a certain community. People who have the last name Modi come from backward communities like Narendra Modi does. So that was their response. But by and large, they have left it saying it's with the judiciary. It's not really a problem. And the government has also... uh, actually gone out of its way to say we are, you know, we're democratic and this is not really, you know, we're not targeting opposition leaders. What is next, though, for Rahul Gandhi? Because there is a hearing in this case. How do you see this playing out? So right now he is appealing that case. He is out of jail. If he wins the case, he could be back in parliament. Interestingly, his grandmother, Indra Gandhi, was also expelled from parliament back in the day, but that was for election fraud. And she sort of used that as an opportunity to come back stronger and gain what we often call sympathy vote. So people who are watching this say, okay, you may expel him, you may humiliate him, but you might also fuel him and fuel opposition at large. That may even be happening already, with the court case opened by India's opposition parties. The fact that 14 political parties went to court together also is sort of unprecedented. You know, opposition parties have always said, look, we should try and form a front to take the government on in the election. It has never really worked because of just India's diversity. But the feeling is that the way things go right now, opposition parties are saying enough is enough. We are going to put a stop to this, whether it's in court, whether it's protesting on the streets, or whether it's, you know, electorally. The situation could sort of be the glue that binds political parties to confront the BJP. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Ashish Malhotra with Chloe Kaylee, Amy Walters, Nagin Oliai, Khalid Sultan, Miranda Lynn, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Our engagement producers are Adam Abugad and Munira Aldosari. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back on Friday. <laughs> 